Greetings, folks. Welcome to the show. I'm here with Aaron and Chico. Howdy. So we have a little philosophical question that we're going to start this off with, and it is, seeing is to light as feeling is to what? What do you think about that? It could also be light is to photons as feeling is to what? Right. right so we're kind of looking at what physical thing does does feeling right on. Like, yeah. When you see something, it's the light bouncing off something. It's photons entering your eye and you interacting with those photons. But when you're like talking to somebody and you feel that it's feel weird or feel loved, maybe. Right. What is that? Yeah. Where does that, where does that feeling stem from? Right. Um, I mean, I, I know maybe some of it's like you, you see certain like awkward ticks. Like you see, um, I don't know, some social cues, but there's also some, circumstance some instances where you like walk into a room and you just feel right like social cues like evoke feelings but that's just that's like flipping a light switch on turns the light on but that's not really answering the question is where is feeling coming from like yes a social cue can evoke a feeling but where is that feeling coming from you asked me that so i my answer to that was uh seeing is to light as feeling is to consciousness and, you feel your consciousness. Right. Well, your consciousness is what is able to, what allows you to even have feeling, right? Because without, without being conscious and without being able to look at something and actually think about it, there can be no feeling. So, okay, does an animal have consciousness? Like, I think like a dog. It's say. a level Luna. of consciousness. It's not the level we're at, but it's definitely a level of consciousness. And I, what I define consciousness as is the ability to look out into the physical plane and interact and interact with the matter. I see. So like the universe could be this, just this external world. That's not, that's just a physical thing, like a, right. a, a, a dead rock. Right. That is earth. But the moment you have organisms actually observing it and you have the universe looking out at it to itself, even though it perhaps is not aware that it is the universe, like a dog or a microbe, it's still, the universe peeping out. Right. And what separates us from a dog is the ability to think about our thinking, right? A dog thinks, but it's not able to think that it's thinking. And that's what's so special about humans is the fact that we can think about our thinking. So what is that? What, what does it mean to think about your thinking, right? It means, I think it's, it's self-reflection. Yeah. That, so it's, that's, it's, that isn't consciousness. That's like a higher step of consciousness. Right. What's the next step? Right. Yeah. I think, Tim, I think mind uploading is the next step, right? So, because you're kind of omniscient, we, we talk about quantum leaps, uh, and we we did this earlier where we we started from the prokaryote and we worked our way up to a multicellular organism and then a complex multicellular organism like we are. So, what's the next step? And what's that quantum leap? So, if you notice, anytime there is this quantum leap, it's the ability to observe more, the ability to zoom out more, the ability to affect more. Affect what? Like, affect change in your environment. So, I think the next quantum leap is being able to... I think... Well, I don't know if my mind uploading is. I think I think quantum computing would be the next quantum leap. How so? I think in that, technology is going to boom. It's going gonna, it's gonna to allow our circle of influence to vastly increase. I see that. Because now you can have the best technology that just... Right. I see that. But at the same time, 
if we look at it from a perspective of how how life has evolved thus far, like so far, like you talked about prokaryotes, eukaryotes, multicellular organisms, eventually social organisms. And um, one common trend you find is that when things were prokaryotes, these organisms were very individualistic. It was just like one organism kind of reproducing asexually by itself, um, kind of floating around, you know, surviving. But once they kind of realized, or not even realized, they just through the the path of least resistance, they 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 um, realize, let's say, that if they work together, they they're better able to survive. That's when you get eukaryotes, right. and then eukaryotes get together and they form multicellular organisms. They work together to form a bigger thing, and then eventually you get insects and plants and all the animals you see today. Right, and after a few more. Few hundred thousand years of evolution more you get these social beings which they realized okay we're, we're multicellular organisms but we can either be individuals or we can work in a group right oh we were gonna try we can hunt and us versus them versus just me exactly. versus it right now you you have the power of a tribe and you realize we work together and we can survive much better right and i think now we've entered an era where individual individualism is very encouraged and um, you really see that, especially in like Switzerland, where there's like this picture of um, people at a bus stop and it's like a person and like four feet away, it's another person. And then like four feet away, it's another person. Do, They're do, like equidistant. Do you think that's that's healthy? I don't know. No, I think we there's a reason we were like we evolved in like this tribe, tribe mentality. Right. And we're straying away from that. I think that's why you see so much depression. It's because like we're kind of drawing ourselves away from the tribe mentality. And like having this communal system. Now it's like, it's just you. I know. That's so shitty. It's kind of shitty. Yeah. So in, I, yeah. You see like anxiety is rampant. You don't have those deep social social bonds. I think in, there's a statistic in the eighties, um, the average person had like three friends, three really cl- close friends. And now it's down to two. It's crazy. Um, so continuing with that, I think, Right now, we're in a era of individualism, and our the next, like, what do you call it, ecological release that you said? Right. Like, from prokaryote to eukaryote, eukaryote to multicellular. Right. We're at social beings right now, but we're very individualistic. The next quantum leap, quantum leap is us realizing that, wow, we work better when we really interact as social right. beings, and we cooperate and do work you, together. Do you think it's a fad? Do you think this individualistic mindset is a fad, that we're going to realize it's working against the true goal. A fad is a cultural, like I think a fad's too short lived because you yeah. prokaryote, the prokaryote era wasn't a fad. It was like a whole step of the, the li- evolution of life in the right, cosmos. But this isn't a step. It's kind of like this mindset we developed. It's kind of a fad. You said it, it just started it's more to cultural, right? Right. I see that. So, and I think the solution is also cultural in that we just need to encourage more um, more of this cooperation and, like, getting to know people. Right. Because when you do that, that's when you become one organism on the earth. Right. Life. Life. I'm fucking cold, dude. Yeah, dude. We just went outside, <laughs> bro. It's literally the middle winter in Chico. And we just went on a little jog to um, the the pool. And we were yeah. in there for a minute, and my arteries are just Dude, freezing right now. I'm the worst with the cold. I was always the last one into the pool and the first one out. Like, 
these guys. So it's, we have an older brother named Carlos. Eric's the youngest one, and I'm the middle one. And they would always give me shit because I was always, like, I was never in the pool. I'd always stand by the side. I was just always so cold. And just lately, I've been conquering my fear of the cold. So we pass by the pool, and Eric brings up the idea. He's like, you want to jump in it? Or I think I brought it up jokingly, but he took it seriously. And I, the minute I said it, I bit my tongue. I was like, shit, why did I say that? But I'm, I'm glad I did it. I feel, I feel I'm cold, but I feel good. I feel alive. Me too. Yeah. The moment I got in, I was like, oh, my fucking God, what is this? And then I was like, Aaron, get in already. Like, yeah. we said we'd do a minute. We I did probably quickly. 40 seconds. Dude. I, couldn't, I couldn't keep it. It was like 30. Yeah. But when I got out, I felt so... Number one, I felt my sperm count shoot up. <laughs> yeah. um, but I felt so sharp and creative. Like, I, I got my GoPro out and I was, like, speaking to the camera. And I just felt so articulate. It brings you to, like, base like real- like base reality, dude. Because it, it the fact that it just shocks you you automatically go into like fight or flight so it just like ah, you're just going crazy you just if you look around if you're able to push to the fight or flight and look around and think you're like oh my god i'm alive right now just because it, it brings in that like animalistic rage right and if you're able to push push to that animalistic rage you're able to like really experience and see things for what they really are instead of being clouded by like thoughts it really like puts your thoughts away because now you're no longer just like sitting there you're like fucking surviving. You're like, oh my god, I'm cold. I gotta survive. There's no, there's no room for for your mind to wander. Right, and that's what meditation if you do, you is. Die, right? right. Meditation is like you practice disciplining your mind so it can stay present. Right, and that's what you do there. It's like you, you have no choice but to stay present. Right, and in presence, being present in the moment is when you're able to find like true eternity. If yes, we only have 80, 80 years if you're lucky on Earth. But if those 80 years, you're truly living in the moment, that those 80 years for like an eternity. And there's a saying, it's like you find infinity in the moment. Right. That is being present. The Tao of Now talks yeah. about now. Right. Time. And like, it's kind of scary. Like there's there's been times where like I've smoked marijuana or like I've done that. And what all those substances do is they really like bring like the true consciousness out and it's able to like appear out. And there's been times where like it's peered out so fiercely that it's like scary because you realize, oh my God, time is like, doesn't is even, doesn't even exist because you're so present and like it peers out and it instantly gets scared and like goes right back in. It's like, I don't want, I don't want to experience. That's terrifying. That's your inner like conscious. It's God. like, yeah, it's like your inner, yeah, godly conscious. Exactly. And I think it's, you can, everyone has an inner Buddha. It's just, it's just a matter of finding it and letting it out. And how do you do that? You facilitate it by, you facilitate that process by optimizing your body, optimizing your health, studying. Because otherwise you're just, you're not at beck and call to like the environment. You're just kind of, you talked earlier about being proactive versus reactive. Like everyone is in a reactive state, meaning something happens and then at they react to that event happening. So they're just kind of like flustering in the wind. Yeah instinctually right so i wanted to go back to what you said about time so you said like when you're present time feels like an eternity so i think one thing uh, about einstein he talks about time of course you're right he's right. he made up the general theory of relativity um we, we know all about his like physical side he talks about time as it relates to the physical world right. but one thing you don't really hear about is that einstein was actually a pretty spiritual dude in the sense that if you're 
if you're thinking this deeply about the universe, you're pretty woke. Like, you're pretty conscious, you know? You have to. You're one of the most conscious people on the planet. Um, so he didn't just talk about time, like stretching and contracting in respect to uh, space time. He talked about it as like a mental thing. So um, one example he gives is like, if you have your hand on a frying pan and you have to hold it there for a minute, that minute's going to feel like an eternity. But if you're having dinner with a cute girl, it's going to feel like nothing. Right. Just like yesterday, we were talking there with Carlos, our older brother. And we spoke for about an hour. And like we talked like, oh, my gosh, we spoke for an hour. And we're like, yeah, look at that, right? Time's like pres- – It literally flew like by. Right? Why do you think that is? Like, do you think we're able to warp space-time? Because there's such a, like, conglomeration of energy between our, our – in our minds that it just warps space-time. It's yeah. just – I think it's perspective. It's def- – I don't, I don't think it's – yeah, like I know what a, you mean. concentration of mass, but I think well, that, that's definitely perspective. Your point isn't too invalid because it's not just mass that bends space time; it's also energy. Right. So a mass mass uh, congregation of energy, such as the I don't know electricity in your brain, I guess can have some effect on it. But I'm of course it's negligible. Um, I don't know, but Einstein always talked about there being mind to it. There, there's a, there's a mind part to the universe, right? So it's pretty crazy. Speaking of mind, I had an amazing conversation with my uh, roommate Max Flora about mind and physics. So if you take a like a let's take a this example a billiards game a pool table, if you shoot a ball, it, it, like the, you hit the white ball and you shoot it at the triangle of balls, if you know exactly how hard you hit that ball. The coefficient of friction between the the padding and the ball, um, the spin you put on it. If you know all of the parameters, you can specifically and accurately predict and where those balls are gonna they're right. gonna go. Right. So, if with that, look back at the Big Bang, the parameters to, for how that Big Bang started, all of the energy, all of the um, the heat, that like the temperature. Um, its location, which it was, I guess, is nothing. Never, it was nowhere. If you knew all the parameters, is it possible that you could predict where everything would land, right. including this very conversation, these very thoughts you're having now? So, is is free will an illusion because of that fact? Like, because everything exploded out from one singularity, isn't the trajectory already predetermined? So, all these all these molecules and atoms were bound to interact at this the way they're interacting now. So because of that big bang, everything was predetermined. Right. Just like um, a, that billiards game. Right. But the thing is, I think where it gets sticky is quantum mechanics. Because it, it's not just classical mechanics, like a, like that billiards right. example. Right. It's not like you just hit a ball and, and then goes. you can measure it. And, right. It's like you hit a ball, but then the ball disappears and then reappears on the other side of the table. Quantum but now the table's actually not a table. It's flipped upside down. Right. And then... Somehow the balls are all back and you, you haven't even hit it at all. Right. That's quantum mechanics for you. It's just funky. Yeah. You have a really cool blog post about like how when you start going lower and lower towards a quantum level, things start to seemingly like don't, they don't make sense. Right. Who's to, sp- who's to say that when you zoom out, it's just, it's the exact same thing where things don't make sense further up you go, further in you go. Right. Things I, start to unravel. Things just don't make sense for us. I think the, um, you know, I actually deleted that blog post because the blog post was called Macro Mechanics. 
And it was essentially the opposite of quantum mechanics. Right. But the, the accepted theory among the scientific community is the general theory of relativity. It's quantum mechanics for the small stuff and general relativity for everything else. Uh, I see. And the issue right now we have is Linking bridging the two, the two together. Right. And the, the fucker is gravity. That's, that's what's getting us. Let's go back earlier. We were talking about, like, um, we're talking about community and, like, having this one, this one goal in mind. Just imagine that the human, like, human life had the ability to basically think like a hive mind. Just have, like, this hive mind mentality. We would get so much more done. Because as a hive mind, what would be our one goal? Our one goal would be to perpetuate life, right? To keep the party going to keep consciousness alive and if that was our one true goal and everyone was focused on that one goal there's so much more we could achieve because now we have all the human potential striving towards that one thing exactly right and i think you guys if you haven't seen wild wild country on netflix it's this documentary about this cult in oregon that um they essentially it honestly doesn't seem too bad like it doesn't seem like a cult that does weird shit. I mean, only saw an episode, but um, what they want to do, or what they did want to do in the, the, I think it was the 60s, um, they wanted to have, like, a place where it was just, like, a loving place, and, like, people express themselves in granted, seemingly, like, weird ways, but there was no, like, marriage uh, stipulations or standards. Free love. is free love. Everyone is fucking happy, yeah, dude. Yeah, they farmed the land, and yeah, we came to the conclusion that that reason, the reason why everyone was happy is because there was this underlying goal and that was just to to be happy and live as one and yeah. to live off the earth. They were all making a community. Why? That's so sad that we just can't live that way. If, if we all had that underlying goal, it would be, I think things would work better. That goes back to the individualistic perspective that we have right now. It's right. like, I'm a lawyer. I'm going to do this case for money for myself right. so I can get my shit. But if it's like, like that wild one, wild wild country cult, where you had people being like fucking scrubbing restrooms, like right. they're just a part of the machine, but they know that they have a part in that machine, like and they're working towards one, one final goal, right. and they're all equal in a way. So, I think that's that's a great thing because if you have one goal, you could you could tap into everybody's potential, like you said, but more so. You get everybody doing the things they want to do. Right. So I think this takes us into our education system currently. Like um, at least my school, I go to UCLA and at my school, the general education system is like, okay, I'm going to take a GE. So I'm going to look at which class has a nice curve. And then, okay, this class looks easy. Ancient civilizations. That sounds fucking boring, but... You know, easy A, I'll take it. Right, my professor says it's an easy A, like, let's fucking go for it. Stupid. Right. Like, you, you should be encouraged to take whatever seems interesting, and it doesn't matter what your grade is. Like, or maybe it doesn't matter what your grade is, but it doesn't matter, um, you know, the, the grade isn't such a looming thing. Right. Because that, that just discourages you from fi- doing, doing something you're interested in. For the grade, right? Like, oh, I just got to do this for the grade. Exactly. Right. Um, wait, talking- wait, wait, when you, when you do explore different career uh, path options you get to dip your toes in linguistics and philosophy and shit you wouldn't even consider and um when you do that you might realize like dude like i kind of like this stuff like 
I am passionate about this. Wow. And just imagine if you never got to experience that. When you give everybody a, um, an assurance and everyone's certain about what they want to do because they've explored a variety of topics, then you get the best fucking basket weavers. You get the best philosophers, right. the best teachers, physicists, you most productive people. Instead of going into career and just like half-assing it because you're like, God damn, I chose the wrong thing. Right? Yeah, that's depressing. Yeah. Um, earlier we were talking about hive minds, right? And like, right. what would be the down? So if a hive mind is like one mind, that's the, that's the beauty about humans is that we're not all one mind. But we all we we should all have the same goal, and that is life, right? If we are all if we all stem from the Big Bang theory, the Big Bang, then everything we see is life. Everything we see stem from that. So we are everything. And if our goal is to perpetuate life, and we all had that mindset, I think we would be we would be much stronger than a hive mind because. Think about it. A hive mind is one mind. What's the downfall to a hive mind? There's no new perspective it could offer itself. But the thing is, you would get all the perspectives of every single person. It's still... That's, but that's not a hive mind. Sure it is. I think, no, a hive mind is one mind. One mind, that's the result of all the experiences that are being had. It's not like one I guess mind. that's going into a... That's, that's calling it a god then. But, but I guess hive- my definition of a hive mind is... One mind that's able to take control of many bodies, right? See, I don't think that's what it is. Okay, so yeah. It, so now if it's if it's able to control every perspective, then yeah, that's the beauty. So if that's what's the, be- this, the beauty about humans, right, is that everyone has their own unique perspective. And if everyone, if everyone nurtures that perspective to its entirety and we all, we conglomerated all those perspectives to work towards that one goal, we'd essentially be a hive mind, right? Yeah. And we would fucking... Ex- we grow exponentially right so yeah i think it's like one consciousness deciphering all of the possible experiences that are being had by every single living human right whether it's a peasant in china or bill gates you know? yeah yeah that, that's, that's that's why mind uploading would be so strong so powerful elaborate what I do you mean you're able to upload a mind and instantly have access to all experience that has been, as it, that have been had on on earth the minute you're up, uplo- you're uploaded. You you sync all the knowledge that's on Google. That's assuming you have access to all of those things, right? right? Right. So I think it would be smart for us to not give it access to everything at first. I think you you definitely have like a control and you experiment on it and maybe you give a little more knowledge and see where it goes, right? So now there's like there's there's this huge like uh, what do I want to call it like a conflict or like there's a a stigma with AI where it's like don't want to give it all the power because you know it could it could turn crazy it could go bad so there's there's this there's this theory called the paperclip theory right if you if you tell a, a robot an artificial intelligence robot to make as many paperclips as possible it's it's only goal in its if you want to call it life it's only goal in its program is to make as many paperclips possible so say say the computer science the computer engineer comes to reboot the system or to updated software and it sees that computer engineer and that software update as as in uh as a threat as a threat to it making as many paper clips as possible who knows what it's going to do it's gonna be like i have to kill that person because now it's undermining my goal and my goal is to make as many paper clips possible so that comes back to programming ai with like Law ethics right so we have to have a committee and who, you, who talks about that i think isaac asimov already did right yeah iRobot, right? The three principles of a, a robot. Yeah. I'm going to look this up really quick. Um, 
watch. So, and it's crazy because a lot of people don't think about this. Is like that can that's certainly a possibility. Yeah, whether whether the percentage is small and insignificant, like it's still a possibility. So I would rather cover my ass and have that committee in place, so that three percent doesn't become the fucking reality and we perish. Right. I mean, with all tools and all leaps into new technologies, there's a risk, right? Right. And perhaps you could argue that this is there's never been a risk as existentially threatening as this. Um, Right. This is a new risk. Right. So I think. One way, Isaac Asimov is a fucking genius. He's already thought about this. He's written dozens of books on like different scenarios of like maybe a robot's being bullied and he, he's like being harassed. Is what what rights does he have? He wrote robot visions, right? Um, I think that was pretty sure that's Isaac Asimov. Yeah, that's that's right. one of them. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so these are the three laws of robotics. Isaac Asimov's three laws of robotics. Number one, a robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human to come to harm. That's, yeah, that's so crucial. If, if he's falling in front of a train, he can't, he has to save him. Right. Okay, number two, a robot must obey the orders given it by a human being, except when such orders conflict with the first law. Right. So do this unless you're, do that, that command is to kill somebody right. or to not save them from that train. Right. That's. That's sketchy though, because look at look at look at the way society's structured right now. The most powerful get the new technology. So likely when this when this technology ha- like occurs and it becomes a thing, who's going to be the first ones to have it? Obviously, the U.S. government. What? Look at the budget of the U.S. government. Where does it go? It goes to fucking military. So like obviously they're going to want these artificial intelligence, super machine weapons. Like, and that's going to undermine that. So. That's why that committee is so imperative to make sure that this technology doesn't fall into the wrong hands. Sure. And the wrong hands can even be our own government people. Like it's not just a criminal. Like the minute our government gets hands on that and it becomes a militarized weapon or anybody it's over, right? Even like a, somebody who means well and doesn't even mean warfare. Right. So yeah, I, I think it all starts with discussion and conversing about it and really pondering it as a society, not just don't just leave it to the 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 one percent who is not even the one percent of, of fin- finance but right. like the one percent of intellects out there you know right. so number one again do not in- the a robot cannot injure human or through an action allow human to come to harm number two a robot must obey orders given to it by a human unless the order is to kill somebody or prevent or not save them okay number three a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second laws. Right. So it, it stay alive basically as long as it doesn't mean killing somebody else or um, or not protecting a human. Right. So there's a train coming. It has to sacrifice its life to save that person. Okay. So near the end of his book, Foundation and Earth, a zeroth law was introduced. Introduced. Sounded like Mike Tyson. With the original three suitably ri- rewritten as a subordinate to it, zero, a robot may not injure humanity or, by an action, allow humanity to come to harm. That's powerful. Because it's not just a human, it's like all of humanity. Yeah. That, that, that is like, I mean, th- these four rules are pretty all-encompassing to the threats that could happen. I think you should go a step further and just say all life. 
That's true. Right. But what about a fly? You'd have to program that in and select what. And now it comes down to ethics. Like, what can you kill? What can't you kill? Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think the more the more complex life is, the less you want to kill it. Right? The more precious it becomes. Like, you don't mind killing a fly, but a dog, like, you don't want to kill a dog. Yeah. What if that dog is about to kill a human? You're like, fuck that dog, it's going to kill a human. No, absolutely, that shit is fucking... Human life is... (laughs) Just fucking zap some, dude. Okay, we talked about the 1% and, like, things falling into the hands of the 1%. Genetic engineering. What if... Genetic let's run engineering. This, right, let's run this scenario, right? Okay, wait. Before we get into genetic engineering, because that's a whole other ballgame. Oh, yeah. I want to run a scenario of these robots. All right. So let's say a robot is... This is, in, I think, in uh, Isaac Asimov's foundations. Um, a, ro- a robot's being bullied, and he's being, like, harassed by a group of five teenagers, rockstar at him, humiliated. And keep in mind, this robot is sentient. Like, he knows what they're saying, and he's heartbroken like he's really sad just like any normal person would be detrimental just you're destroying him internally right is what kind of laws are that can he defend himself right then that then you'd be like okay do all robots have rights because i think the minute a sent sentient right what is sentient it's it's what we talked about earlier it's being conscious it's being able to self-reflect so just because we developed a sentient thing, it's still just as precious as we are. If if consciousness happened from like a conglomeration of all these elements and it arose to get to this point, right? We talked about going from prokaryote to multicellular to us, right? We are the universe being able to experience itself as a consciousness. So is that robot. Like it stemmed from the Big Bang. So therefore it's just as precious as we are in that it's able to self-reflect and look at the world and ponder and create ideas from the inside world, right? The minute you give it something sentient, it now has that, the ability to pull, pull from the ether. What is the ether? It's, it's that inside world. It's that the world of thought where all thoughts are pulled from, right? There is no experience that has come from the outside. Every creation, everything you see has stemmed from the inside, has stemmed from, from the mind, has stemmed from This ether, we pulled it from this ether and then we built it. It comes into the physical, right? There's nothing that you see in the physical world that has not stemmed from the inside. So it now has the ability to pull from that ether, if you want to call it the ether. Which is consciousness, right? right? So absolutely, I think it should have rights. Yeah, so I think... That's that's pretty fucked, dude. Absolutely. I think we have to change, if, if not change our definition of life, then add another word. Because right now, life is... What the fuck? Nobody, we don't have a definition it's of life. It's strictly biological to us. It's a biological thing, but it, it changes all the time. It's like some, some, one time it was like something that defecates. Another time it was, <laughs> I don't know, some other thing, right? Right. Uh, that expends energy, but a robot expends energy. It's not life. Right. By our definition, I guess. Um, so what if life is not just this biological organic thing? What if it's just a being that has the ability of consciousness? That is able to be the universe peering out at, at itself. Right. And like you said, the only difference between us humans as conscious beings and a sentient robot is that they're just made out of different elements. Right. We're, it's the same elements. Yeah. And they're interacting in such a way that it allows it to have those yeah. conditions. We're, we're, as humans, as any animal, we're just elements 
and con- conglomerations of atoms with the ability to study other atoms through the lens of consciousness. That's going to be so difficult to like persuade people that that is Absolutely. life. And I think that comes back to shifting the culture, shifting the culture to having this perspective, like this woke perspective. What is woke, right? Is just being aware that you're on earth, man, that you're being aware that you are a life form in the universe. And once, once you have that realization, like, oh my God, I'm a life form on this earth. That's when you're able to bring out your true potential, right? And be like, oh my God, I'm alive. And you're able to cherish every moment. So the minute, the minute you give people that perspective and how do you give people that perspective? I think right? there's so many systems education. in place that are, that are just shitting on all of that. It's just, That's true. And it's so sad to see. So we have to be that change, dude. Like no one else is going to do it. Like there's culture on Twitter right now. Like it's everyone's, it's a great, it's a great place for people to, you know, voice their opinions. And everyone seems like they're on board with like social, like that's what's so cool about our generation, right? Is people from like that were born in the 19, say, let's call it 1990s to now. Cause they have that. They have, they want to see the change, but there is no system to allow them to voice that change. Like it all just gets shit on by this bureaucratic system. So what can we create to help people give that voice? Right. And I think there is a way to get past that bureaucracy, but the math, the vast majority of people are politically illiterate. Absolutely. They cannot navigate that. Dude, shit. I am too. Dude, like, I, I fucking, me too. Yeah. It doesn't interest me. It's, it's so ass. It's like, yeah. it's heart, it's so soul breaking. Right. It's like, and what if, like, what if our goal was to perpetuate life, like we talked about earlier, and you talked about that that uh, cult that we talked about, mm. how they all had that that one sense of goal? Like, we have to instill that in society, that our sense of goal is perpetuating life, dude, and perpetuating consciousness. I think in order to do that, that's a um, perspective shift. Rip. That was good, though. Yeah. Okay, so I think the key to that is to give people perspective. So how do you do that? Uh, I would say it's education. You educate people on the fact that they are a life form on this earth and not just on this earth, but the only known life form in the fucking cosmos, bro. Like this cosmos is infinitely vast, dude, like billions of light years across. And we're the only known life. The fucked up part, though, is everyone already knows that, dude. They don't, though. They do. They don't know the magnitude of it. They they don't. Therefore, they don't understand it. they, They know that, like, they are... They know the system, like they know that they're floating and spiraling through space, but it hasn't hit them yet. It hasn't hit them that that's the reality. Like they're so honed in on now and like just like here that they're not able to zoom out. So like one thing that's so powerful is Wim Hof breathing. If you don't know who Wim Hof is, he's known as the Iceman. I I urge you to go and check him out on Instagram. You're going to see this guy is insane. I'm not going to get into what he does, but basically he's a master of the cold and he's mastered his mind. And he's developed this breathing technique. It's about three rounds. Every round is 30 breaths. But this is like, it's crucial. It's imperative. You must try it in your lifetime because it opened my world up. It changed the way I look at life and the way I interact and the way I go about my days. I wake up and I'm not in this shitty, groggy mood. And I owe that to Wim Hof. I owe that to his breathing technique. And I was always against it. I was like, oh, it's meditation. I know what it is, blah, blah, blah. And then I finally went into it with Eric in San Felipe. We were in Mexico. And he was like, Eric, I need Aaron. Like, you need to try this. And all I did was I did one sit, one round of breathing. And I, I blasted off. I, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, why haven't I done this my entire life? So definitely, like, I urge you guys to try that. Just do it for yourself. Don't do it for anyone else. Like, lock yourself in your room. Do a little bit 
bit of deep breathing. I guarantee yeah, you. YouTube Wim Hof three rounds. Right. It's, it's it's a surefire way to literally have a quantum leap in your consciousness. Right. It's so powerful. Dude, that's a way to practice your consciousness. Just like meditation. What is meditation? Meditation is being conscious and practicing that, keeping your mind on one thing, whether it's one present breath or if it's 90 in three rounds. You know, that's just a way to keep your mind on one thing. And when you practice that, that applies to so many parts of your life. That mental fortitude, it applies to your studying and it gives you that extra little oomph that you need. Right. It applies to, oh, fuck, it's cold outside but and this sucks, but... I'm going to, I'm going to do this because my mind is, it has been, um, tailored to, to do this, to right. stay on this one task. And that can go to your relationships, to, um, to anything. If you're faced with a situation where you can either react like a, a primate, like an instinctual animal and just, oh, I'm cut off in the road. Ah, fuck you. Or use, or, use your gift of consciousness. Right? Exactly. The, the only thing that differentiates us humans, us homo sapiens from our primate cousins is the gift of consciousness. Right. We have the ability, the luxury of deciding how are how am I going to respond to this situation? Right. You're not just a leaf in the wind, right, of life. Like you have the ability to change life and change matter and reflect. Right. Exactly. So you're not a leaf in the wind. That reminds me of what we were talking about, right. how everything's predetermined, right? Like going back to that like pool table example. Right. Maybe if, let's just ignore quantum mechanics right now let's just say that everything worked in classical mechanics what does that mean that means that you hit a billiard ball and you know how fast you hit it how hard you hit it the coefficient of friction you can do the math and find where it's gonna where the ball's gonna land like a theory of everything that's something else but yeah like sure um so if we go back to the big bang we know all the parameters starting there but using the same um the same concept that, does that mean that we can identify and predict everything that's going to happen, including this very conversation? So ignoring the the minefield of chaos that is quantum mechanics, let's just say that we get to life. We get to Earth with all the things it needs for life. Right before those organic molecules turn into full-fledged life forms, let's just say that that was all... Uh, yeah, you could you could do the math and predict that down to the T of where things were going to land. But the moment consciousness becomes a thing, does that still work? Right. Because now you have a thing that is working against entropy, is as in like not going towards chaos, but wanting to it's like, build these complex It's like the anti-entropy. Things. It's wanting to create order from all this disorder. It's essentially what we're doing. Exactly. Otherwise, we'd just spiral out of control. So does, does that prevent us from being able to predict where think where the balls would land i think definitely and like my theory of it is because consciousness is its own i think it's its own energy the energy that happened from the big bang these particles are so spread out from that one singularity source that the energy of classical classical mechanics isn't enough to combat that energy that consciousness has right I think because consciousness is able to move matter and interact with matter, it's much more powerful than the 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 inertia of that particle that that particle had, right? So it's like working against it almost. Right. So okay, so if 
us hitting that that pool table of billiard balls is pure, that pure physics, right? That you can predict the outcome. Once you get to consciousness, once you get to mind, does that physics no longer apply to the mind? Is the physics world, physical world separate from the mind? Tough, right? Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, it comes back to like quantum mechanics. Like it breaks down. There's this disconnect. Yeah, and but I what, think what if we ignore quantum mechanics right now? And we we assume that everything acts just fine. It acts like classical mechanics where you can just hit a billiard ball right. and assume where it lands. Once you get to life, right now you 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 I asked you, do you have free will? And you're like, yes, I can lift my hand at a moment's notice. Right. But what if that was already predetermined, right? So it comes, yeah. It's, so that is your mind. Your your mind is saying, okay, I'm going to lift my arm right now. Right. My mind's doing this thing. I think definitely yes. To answer, my answer is yes. Yes, what? Yeah, life does have the power. Once it once you predict everything up to life, classical classical mechanic classical mechanics no longer work. Consciousness is the anti classical mechanics. It's the anti entropy in a way. Even though, but. In the grand scheme of things, entropy is still bound to happen. Like particles, the heat death of the universe is inevitable. So between the beginning and the heat death of the universe, there is some order we can restore. But in the grand scheme of things, it's all headed towards disorder. So maybe we can create a little order. But in the grand scheme of things, it's going to fucking have the heat death. Right. So that little order is proof that there is a force working against entropy. So let me just, what are all these fancy terms? Entropy, what is that? It's pretty much everything leads to disorder. Everything wants to go to chaos, like an ice block. Entropy is the ice block melting or uh, an out, a watermelon. You drop it, it explodes. It's right. entropy. The universe is expanding outward, right? Yeah, and the diffusal of energy. That, that is also entropy. There's going to be a point. What is the heat death of the universe? That is... There's going to be a point where if everything is expanding outwards, there's going to be a point where these molecules are and atoms are way too far to interact with each other. So then they just become separate and separate to where there is no more interaction and there is nothing. Energy is just too diffused. Right. So if entropy is working towards utter diffusal, why do you see these massive con- conglomerations of energy like humans and order too. life? tree look at the way a tree is formed it follows this like mandalic like structure right if you look at it especially in the winter you're really able to see that like bronchial pattern it's it's like a beautiful pattern and you see these patterns all throughout fibonacci sequence it's order life it's order see it's like what is that what causes that path of least resistance yeah but isn't the path of least resistance Headed towards entropy. Exactly. Right. But I think it goes down to the atomic level. Like, why do certain atoms come together? Because of the electromagnetic pole of them, right? Right. So we're asking, what is life, right? We're asking, what is the underlying force that works against entropy? That works works against leading to the complete diffusion of energy. And what do we see? Like... Okay, if entropy was the only thing, you wouldn't see these these collections of energy. Like you, a human being. A human being is a massive collection of energy. You eat animals, and those animals in turn ate some producers 
that took energy from the sun. Those, those photons from the sun, you're like a collection of photons, bro. Right. Let me explain that. Like the sun releases photons. It releases these light particles and producers, which are plants at the bottom of the trophic levels. They convert this, these, these massless uh, particles, which is our photons into these physical things. They like crystallize it into themselves. Right. And then you eat that. And in a way you're eating the, um, a different form of photons. It's just energy. You're just eating energy and you become energy and you're a collection of photons. It's crazy. You're nothing else. So uh, we've had this conversation uh, earlier, I think when you arrived here. Uh, we talked about the right, Einstein's equation, E equals MC squared. So like, and we talked about the ether, right? So the, if the ether is like this energy, it's just energy. So you'd put that on the left left hand side, right? E is the energy equals, and then MC squared, which is matter, C speed of light, right? C squared. Yes. Mass. So is a plant taking energy and converting it? It's converting it right to matter. Absolutely. So what if life is the equal sign? Life is able to convert energy, pure energy, into matter. That's what it is. Yeah. Because photons are pure energy. They have no mass. So so life is the link between the ether and the physical plane. I'm sure there's more links, but I think it is one of it's those It's one links. of the links. It's able, to, it's able to pull from this ether, like we talked about, and create. Right. So you always hear E equals MC, e equals MC squared, but... When you really think about it, it's like a gorgeous equation. Like oh, yeah. anybody can understand this. Follow this really quick. Energy is equal to the mass times the speed of light squared. That sounds like gibberish, but that tells you that energy is the same as mass. Energy is the same as mass. Did you hear that? That means that a rock is just energy. It's like when you have um, like an, an algebraic equation, you can divide over one of the terms if you do it to both sides, it's the same shit. It's the same shit. Yeah. You literally divide over the mass and you get that energy is e, equal to the mass. E over M equals the speed of light. Exactly. Energy is mass. Right. So ev- everything is energy, dude. Actually, and everything... Every, everything is energy. And that, that's a perfect example. The the producers, these, these plants photosynthesizing, they take energy which is photons, which is pure energy. And they convert it into a physical matter, physical mass. Crystallize it. Dude, E equals MC squared is literally the equation of crystallizing energy. That's crazy. Let me, okay, so what do you you mean by crystallizing? So just imagine a solution, like you're in a chemistry lab, you have a solution of some seemingly clear liquid. It looks like it's clear. It looks like it's almost water. But you know that inside of this is these molecules, a bunch of molecules such that when you throw in a catalyst, these molecules fizz up and they, they become like a clearly not water. Like that's, there's something there. Yeah. So that's kind of an analogy to, we've talked about this, an analogy to consciousness. So pick a word. Give me a word. Alfredo. Alfredo. Okay. So where did you get that from? I was thinking chicken Alfredo. I, I pulled that in from my mind. That's what you're asking. Right? Right. I pulled that from, it's almost like a cloud of thoughts that I pulled it from. Yeah. And I was able to reach into this cloud of thoughts and bring that, that into existence. Exactly. So 
we do, there's no place at that stored. It's not like a physical place in your brain where your your vocabulary is stored. It's like this ether of of knowledge, like this infinite intelligence cloud that is up there, right? So that take it, let's go back to that that solution that we had. In the beginning, it looks like a clear solution, right? Like water, but you know there's molecules in there. The moment you add a catalyst, it fizzes up. Right. So similarly, you're like the water, and those molecules in the air, that is consciousness. And when you add a catalyst, you your inspiration, you are inspired to think. You pull those, you pull that consciousness and that word out of that that infinite intelligence, that cloud. And you bring it into the physical world. And you crystallize it. You crystallize it. So we are creators. Humans are the most powerful creators in the universe that we know of, right? So we are literally here to create. We are here to create and shape the world around us. And we've become so far, we've, we've strayed from that at some point. We, we forgot that we are creators and we're here to create whatever the hell you want. All you have to do is connect yourself to that beautiful pool of knowledge that's in your mind and pull from it now instead of thinking of things that that don't benefit you think think of things that that benefit your life and from from those thoughts only think beneficial thoughts and and create from those thoughts you have the power to create you have the power to change the environment you're not just here to experience and and sit on twitter man like wake up to your fucking life and that is build whatever the hell you want. You're literally a creator. That's what your mind, that's right. what your brain is for. Dude, and after like doing Wim Hof, I said like I wake up and I really feel connected to like the earth. So like whenever I see like a bridge, I feel connected to that bridge in that I know humans built that bridge. And if I'm human, I'm part of that species, the feat of being able to build a bridge I'm somehow connected to that feat. Yes, I may not have built that bridge, and I, I I probably don't know anyone that built that bridge, but that's my species that built that bridge. Like that's that's in essence your accomplishment. So anything you see, this table, this microphone I'm speaking into, it was an invention. Somebody had to think of it. Somebody had to crystallize it, bring it from an idea right. up in this infinite intelligence. And the fact that they were human and the fact that they had the same capabilities as me just connects me to that so much more. And it makes me realize I have the power to create the next microphone or whatever the hell I want to create. So it, this infinite intelligence, what the fuck is that? Like, well, this sounds like a really gibber, like a whatever stupid word. <laughs> yeah. Right? Wookie shit. Wookie shit. <laughs> um, it's just a term for this place where, um, let's just say it's this ether where all of the possible concepts and ideas that can be thought of exist. So the future, uh, the, the next best um, literary masterpiece is out there. The next Mozart's best composition is out there. And when somebody thinks about it and Mozart actually produces that song, he brings that from that infinite intelligence where this exists and puts it into the real world. So there's actually this website online that uh, this might be bullshit. I don't know. I heard this, but um, it's a website where all of the possible utterances exist. Every single po possible combination of letters and spaces well, and commas not... and punctuations exists. I bet that does exist. It doesn't seem too far-fetched. Right. That includes any possible future 
literary masterpiece. Right. Shakespeare's lost work. Right. And look at the alphabet. The alphabet in English, if you're just looking at English, the alphabet contains all future literary works. It's already there. It's just got to be connected. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the thing so is, compare the alphabet to that infinite pool of knowledge. I see. So those molecules chilling in that clear solution. Right. They're already there. We just have to go in and grab them. We're essentially like, we're like a channel for that. You channel it from that, that cloud. Yeah. We are the link to essentially. Yeah. So the the interesting thing about this is that it has a very physics-based uh, foundation. Like in order to get into this, I think we have to address two, two words or one word. That is the word state. A particle can either be in a state of, in a physical state, or it can be in this virtual state. So look at a, a tree, for instance. You take a tree, a tree is like, you can touch it and feel it and smell it. And it's there. You can interact with it. It's in the physical realm. And let's say a cloud. A cloud is perhaps more elusive, but it is still in the physical realm. But now, think back to your word, Alfredo. That's not in a physical place. That comes from that virtual world. It's in a virtual state. And you pluck right. it through inspiration, and you pluck it and bring it into the physical world. Right. That is the crystallization of intelligence. Right. And the minute you open your eyes and you're looking and you're experiencing, we, we are confined to that physical plane, right? We're confined to that physical world. But the minute you go and close your eyes and you think and you meditate, that's like you going into that internal virtual world. You thinking is the virtual world, right? So we have the ability to be in two places. We have the ability to be here on the physical world and observe and, and interact. But we also have the ability to go into the virtual world. Right. And that virtual world is closing your eyes and looking at your thoughts. What do I mean by looking at your thoughts? It's just thinking, but not, not engaging with those thoughts. Right. You're, when you close your eyes, you're, you're essentially in that, that virtual world. Your mind is that virtual world. Right. You see the archetype, like the archetype or in war in like music all the time. Like it's all in your mind or living in your head. There's a back door. What does that mean? Like why? Like, that's literally what it means. It's that it's the fact that you have the ability to connect the virtual world inside of your mind that is consciousness and manifest it in the physical world. Right. And the word manifest, it's got like this weird connotation, right? Because it's in, like spiritual and manifest. But manifest, it just means to create. It means to build. So to bring it into existence. Right. So this I just drew a circle on my pad. I just manifested that circle. I brought it in from a thought and I created it. Now it's physical. So we have two lives we're able to live. It's one life, but people think you're confined to this. Like you're not just confined to being on the physical plane and observing. Like you can go into your mind and wander. That's the beauty of human life. Take a stroll in your mind. Take Yeah, exactly. And you, get, you can get good at that. Absolutely. Through meditation and shit like that. Okay, so my flight leaves in like four hours. So I should pack and then um, so we'll be stressed. I can zen yeah. out at the airport. Solid, All right, that was good. We'll Th definitely do this again. For sure. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Ciao.